This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with Bitsbox. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with Detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I talk to founder of the Dallas Comedy House, or rather owner and co-founder of the Dallas Comedy House, excuse me, Kyle Austin. It was a real pleasure getting to go down to Dallas Comedy House here in Deep Ellum in Dallas, Texas. If you are anywhere near here or you are into comedy, you should definitely get yourself over there. Kyle and his crew do a fantastic job having a wide variety of shows as well as classes, and we get into all of that. Why he started Dallas Comedy House, what it means to him, and what uh, he hopes to leave as a legacy for his kids and for himself, and we get into parenting, and it's all great. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Up first, Brian, the birth guy, is back with another Ask the Birth Guy, and then I get into my conversation with Kyle, so stick around. I'll be right back after this. Hey guys, it's me, Brian the Birth Guy. I'm back here on the Detox Podcast, but check this out. We received an email, and let me tell you, words mean a lot. And the email says something like this. I'm age 38, and my doctor told me, since I'm pregnant, that I'm having a geriatric pregnancy. Doesn't that sound like the pits, huh? Well, okay, so words mean a lot, and it's usually called an advanced maternal age gestation or pregnancy. What this means is that you're over 35 and you're going to have a baby. Well, that's something that can be a little bit trying on anybody having a baby at any age, right? But when your doctor tells you that you're geriatric or that you're advanced medical age, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a high-risk pregnancy. If you have some of the things that can be exacerbated at this time, you could be called a high-risk pregnancy, such as preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure and a change in your liver enzymes and some other things. It's really not very fun. But in our history, we got to talk about what would happen at this time. Usually when people were over 35 back in the day, we'd give them an ultrasound-guided amniocentesis in order to do genetic screening. We don't have to do that anymore. We can do blood-drawn genetic screening at this point, and that's a very big advancement. And we also noticed that people over 35 were sometimes having more complications when they were doing the needle stick with the amniocentesis where they go take a needle and put it right into the uterus and um, get some of the amniocentesis fluid, they were finding that people over 35 may be having other problems. Most people are concerned with things like Down syndrome, and the, the matter of fact, the numbers are looking like this. The rates of having a baby with Down syndrome at term 
are 1 in 353 at age 35 and 1 in 85 at age 40, 1 in 35 at age 45. So there are some possibilities. And these are stats that I'm getting right off of evidencebasedbirth.com, you guys. There's also said that um, 15% of our population is now having babies over 35. And we believe this is because moms are going to school. They're they're in male-dominated professions. And maybe they don't have uh, the money at the time when they were younger because of our social economic things. Because, you know, let's face it, times are tough and it's not always easy. But regardless of where you're at, be healthy, eat healthy, get and get some exercise. If you're at the advanced maternal age, make sure to be taking care of your body and taking care of yourself. You guys, I hope that helps. I'm Brian, the birth guy, and I'm always happy to be here with your host, Joe Shaw of the Detox Podcast. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. With me at this time is Mr. Kyle Austin. He is the owner and co-founder. Co-founder. Co-founder of... Sister is owner. Okay. Operator. Co-founder of Dallas Comedy House here in deep, deep, deep in the heart of Texas in Deep Ellum. Yeah, yeah. We're in the back door of it, baby. Right. (laughs) Back door deep. Kyle, how are you doing today? Good. (laughs) It's nice (laughs) to start out with a back door reference. Right. Uh, I think it lets people know exactly where we're headed. Yeah, right on. And it's always somewhere good. Yeah. (laughs) We're in Deep Ellum, Texas, 3036 (laughs) Elm Street. This is our third location. We just opened up. That's uh, awesome. This summer. Um, I just had my second child. During the move, Mazel tov. Thank you. I'm not Jewish. But. Uh, neither am I. Well, but I still will take a good Mazel tov. Yes, of course, of course. Offers it up. <laughs> um, uh, so we, my wife, who also works here, we were not really heavily involved in the move from the old location to this location because you were dealing with yeah, because we, with your we kid. just had that sure. baby. Um, so it's, I feel like it's all still very new to me. Sure. Um, Did people screw it up in the movie? No, nah, everybody okay. was really great. They were, <laughs> they were awesome. They took on a bunch of different, uh, loads and, and different job duties and, um, it's great. Yeah, I mean, you've been here, you came last week, I think yep, it's our show. That's correct. Texas Toasted. It's a, it's a fun sketch show. It's one of, uh, one of many that we have here. And, uh, yeah, so we're in our podcast studio now. That's Unfortunately, right. our podcast equipment isn't <laughs> functional right now, but your podcast yes. equipment looks great. So thank you. I'm going to pretend to talk into the microphone that is, uh, yeah, in so front that of me. Josh can take, uh, good glamour shots of you. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> we should talk about the third person in the room, Josh. <laughs> yes, Josh, you will hear a couple clicks here and then, here and then, here and there. And uh, he's taking a couple photos for us. He's so taking nice. a bunch of photos for the audio podcast that we're uh, recording right now. Yes. And th- this photo right here that he's taking right now <laughs> is going to make it on the Instagram. That's the one. Uh, that's money. So, uh, Kyle, one of the questions I like to ask people that come on the show that are parents is, what do you think makes a good parent? Man, that's such a, an open-ended question. Uh, yes. I think, I think what makes a good parent is really – it's up to the parent. Right. I mean, really – um, there are so many different, you know, um, uh, trust your children, love your children, uh, support your children, discipline your children. There's all like pieces of that, but I think it comes down to every parent and what they stand for as a person, as a family. And if they do their best to uphold that, to try to, to, to stay true to that, then that's what makes them a good parent. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm fortunate to have a really great partner, my wife, who's also a comedian, um, 
we mesh very well in styles and communicate. We, we just have a lot of fun. So our mm-hmm. parenting style is very fun. It's based off of, of improv, <laughs> which we do all the time, which right. is this yes and idea. Right. <laughs> so um, uh, I, we, we are very supportive, encouraging. And instead of, uh, you know, when, when they want to use a marker as a spoon instead of a marker right. uh, at two years old, it doesn't really serve either one of us for me to say no. Right. Um, that's not a spoon. That's a marker. Right. Um, but it could be a lot more fun if I say, yeah, it could be a spoon and the plate is a bowl of spaghetti. Right. And uh, <laughs> we have a fun little game yeah. for, you know, five minutes. Right. Um, so I believe kind of what we do here at the theater, which we can get into a little bit, um, really kind of does prepare me to be a good parent. Yeah. So. 100%. There's my short version. No, I like it. And it's very true in that <clears throat> I feel like most of parenting is thinking on your feet, right? I tell people all the time uh, that are brand new dads, they say, Joe, what's the, what's the best advice you can give me? And I tell them, I say, um, yeah, prepare as much as you want and be prepared to throw all of it out the window because you're going to get to a point where you're just improvising as you go along. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many days have you woken up as a, as a father and said, this is how today is going to go. And it actually went that way. Zero days. That's an improv scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is literally an improv scene. You'd be a great improviser. Right, right, right. You would. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it's so funny, too, because you never know what uh, your kids are going to do, what they're going to say, how they're going to wake up, how they're going to interact with you. It's, yeah. it's, a, it, it, it's equal parts exhausting and exhilarating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's know? the hardest thing. You know, you, people say that. It's the hardest thing you can do the hardest job people have is being a, uh, a parent. Right. And I get that not because, uh, you know, it's not, uh, the hardest job as far as job description, right. it's that it's so constant, right? It never stops. Yes. We have a two year old right now and a five month old. I forgot that the five month old still can't hold his head up on his own completely. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Uh, so today <laughs> when I had him all day for eight hours, Six of those, I had to hold his head up for him, you know, and uh, yeah. and that's what I mean by constant. And, right. and of course, there's a two year old running around, right. um, <laughs> but she's she's great. She's a really great big sister. She she I think is in, uh, kind of already embodied the spirit that my wife and I try to put out there of fun. Yes, and right. Um, and she's she's great. I'm totally in love with my family. My son, <clears throat> who's younger, and I have an older daughter as well, he's just started taking stuffed animals and giving them personalities. Nice. And so he'll go around and you'll talk to him, and then he'll also hold out the, the stuffed animal, and you need to address the stuffed animal as well, whatever the case may be. And so to my daughter's credit, she has played along and not said, no, I know it's just you saying it. I'm not going to talk to the yeah. stuffed animal. She plays along and engages him, and we never had to tell her that. She just does it, and it brightens up his day and makes her world better. And she waited. She was very kind last night. We were at dinner and he walked away and went upstairs and she said, I know that his llama is, cause he has like a little llama stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. We know uh, about those llamas. Yes. And she was like, I re- I know his llama, llama lovey is, is not really talking. It's him, mm-hmm. but, uh, I want to be kind mm-hmm. and, and play along. And I'm like, Whoa, I guess we're doing something yeah, good because you picked it up on your own. <laughs> <laughs> Kindness and creativity. Right. That's great. Exactly. That That's, uh, that's a perfect example of, yep. of what I'm talking about. And actually kind of leads into, you know, I mentioned, you mentioned Dallas Comedy House. We right. teach classes here. We teach sketch and stand-up improv storytelling. I, I do a lot of improv. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I taught a class one time, a level five at the time was our graduating class. We have six levels now, but I was teaching a level five and they were really in their head. They were just like having a hard time with the process, the mechanics of improv. Right. And then I was also volunteering for this um, destination imagination thing for like first graders. Yeah. And I would, I would go at like three o'clock and teach these kids improv for an hour and come up with a fun way to, to communicate what it was. Right. And then I drive to Dallas and teach adults from 6.30 to 9.30, level five. <laughs> and they were the exact opposite because um, I had to teach these kids, like, here's some of the rules. Right. Here's the way that you have to kind of structure it for it to make sense. Right. Um, and then with these adults, it was like, here's how these first graders play. <laughs> Do that. Right. <laughs> you have to instill with them a sense of play again. Yes. Because they're adults. You become jaded. You get right. older. Things bother you. Right. Um, and and you have to try to teach them to play tea again. Yeah. To play with, to, to pretend that the llama is the llama. Right. You're, you're, it has its, its own personality. Yeah. Because yeah. you, when you're a kid, you're not you're not pretending to play tea as a princess or a right. cowboy. You're a cowboy playing yeah. tea. Yeah. And that's what you have to teach adults. So it's a fun it's a fun um, it's a fun thing to teach adults that it's okay to play again right and the way that we do it is is really a, a great life tool because you learn how to listen and uh hear things that people don't hear and see things right. people don't see so uh, i'm crazy about it that's why that's why i've been doing it for so long i like it well since you brought it up let's let's talk about dallas comedy house how long has it been in existence in its entirety and then also talk about this location as well cool uh started in 2009 okay um we had taken some class nice. uh, yeah yeah we we just celebrated 10 years it'll be 11 in january um we we took some classes, uh, went through the program, started booking some shows, then we started teaching some classes, opened a theater, uh, expanded to a second location, um, and then this summer, into the summer, into the summer, uh, we opened this location, the third location. And uh, we have four classrooms, a podcast studio that we're in right now. Right. Um, sounds great, even though we're not using our mics. Welcome to KB04. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have a podcast studio. <laughs> Four classrooms, a writer's room, um, and then two theaters, a small theater that yeah. seats about 65, 70 people, and a larger main stage that seats uh, about 130 people. Okay. Um, we do shows uh, five, six nights a week, and uh, classes pretty much every day. Um, Fridays, I don't think we have any classes. Uh, so weekend and uh, nighttime, it's you come once a week, 6.30 to 9.30 if you're doing a weekday, um, three hours at a time. Um, and you learn how to improvise. You learn how to um, do stand-up. You learn how to do storytelling. You yeah. learn how to do sketch. Um, I think personally that every student, comedy student, should start with improv level one. Sure. Because it teaches you to just be comfortable yeah. more than anything. Right. Um, and improv is such a group. People, people, when they go through the improv program, sometimes get frustrated because they're like, what's next? Like, what's, what's the end game for it? Yeah. And there's no real end game with improv because right. it's truly like a stepping stone to the next thing. Right. You want to be a writer, be a good improviser so that you know, you can generate content to yeah. write. You want to be a podcaster, uh, be a good improviser so that you know how to have a conversation like exactly. this. And it, uh, it's just a great stepping stone to things. Um, I, like talk, I, talk to, I talk to people a lot in the corporate world, which is where I work. And I talk about the fact that, you know, my mom, <laughs> you're about to say something. I was going to make a joke that you told me not to make oh, right, right. before the show. And I, I almost did it. I you were just, then I had pity uh, that you would have to go back and edit it later. And then I looked at Josh to see if, if he was looking, but he was at it, looking at his camera. So I didn't have anyone to talk to. Instead, everybody will just wonder what yes. it was. Uh, let me tell you, it was family friendly. I said let her rip. It's not my problem. 
<laughs> Josh said, don't, do don't listen to Josh. Don't okay. listen to Josh. All right, Josh, Josh, how do you spell your last name? <laughs> <laughs> okay, what but, were you going to say? No, I, I was just going to say in the corporate world, there are lots of conversations I have with people where maybe I'm not necessarily skilled at a process or something that they want me to teach or learn or whatever. But what I tell them is I said, well, I have a, oh, this is what it was specifically. I was, I was trying to uh, vamp while I remembered, uh, was, you know, I don't have a business degree. I don't have a finance degree. Uh, I don't have any of your typical, like if you're going to the corporate world, the kind of uh, basic uh, playbook of what you want to have when you go in. I have a theater degree. But what I tell people is theater taught me how to improvise. Theater taught me how to think on my feet. It taught me how to BS my way until I learn something and then can execute it efficiently. So that's what I do. And that's what I bring to the table. And it, it wins a lot of people over. And I also talk about the fact that in theater and in improvisation and comedy, you have to work as an ensemble in order to get the job done. And so you're always growing. You're always learning. There's no end game. You're just constantly moving. But if you're not able to work together with people, then you're going to fail. And so that's kind of. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> to everything that you just said. <laughs> right. And and it's funny you say that you work in the corporate world at this specific location that I'm right. not supposed to mention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We do a bunch of corporate training here. In fact, right. I, I feel like I'm a, a decent performer, pretty good teacher. I enjoyed that a lot, directing and coaching. Um, I feel like I really do well at corporate training. And part of it is that I also don't have any of those degrees. Um, <laughs> right. I also got my master's in fake it till you make it. Right. Um, <laughs> and the, the wonderful thing about our curriculum for the, the corporate training that we do is it's an adaptation of the classes that we've taken, yep. six levels of improv. And we found the pieces that we can apply to the business because my sister, who we, we started this, um, and, and forgive me if I say I in this process, I, I collectively mean we, sure. Amanda and I, my sister Amanda Austin. She's owner-operator. I'm the fun uncle. Um, <laughs> Uh, the point is she, she is very business savvy. She is smart. She is, there's a reason that we've grown the location. Each sure. time. She knows what she's doing. Um, so she is, is specifically crafted a lot of the exercises that we've done to a business format. Right. She, uh, she and I both do, um, interactive keynotes where we take a, uh, a core of, uh, lessons, drills, exercises, games that we want to do based off of some of the information they've sent us before the, the workshop that they want to work on. Right. And then we do an interactive keynote where we have some slides, we, we talk about some stuff and then we are using them as the examples. We're, uh, improvising our way through it. And it's a lesson and this is how you do it. Right. Because the truth is everybody's kind of in the corporate world. I, what I have found is everybody's either like really trying to get to the top of the ladder, elbow each other, or everybody's trying to not mess it up. Yeah. And in that situation, they're kind of looking at each other like, you no, you do it, you do it, you do it. And as long if, if somebody just starts and does it, and then you yes and it, and you yes and it, and yes and it, you get these brilliant ideas. And so it, it's teaching people to work uh, collaboratively, not competitively. Yes. Is what we say. Yeah. Um, and it goes a long way. I, I really enjoy the, the corporate training side of it. Yeah. I know that <clears throat> another point that I that you really brought to mind is the fact that in a lot of different uh, corporate settings and a lot of different businesses, there's a big push right now to seek out people with liberal arts or arts-focused degrees and bring them into the business world. And the entire purpose of that is that traditionally speaking, if you've been in the business world, finance world, whatever, brought up in school and then go into it as your work, you have one way of accomplishing your goals and it's very structured and it's very in the box and it's very sure. linear sure 
and you have people that are artists or liberal arts minded and they've been taught from the jump that you have to approach problems from a completely different perspective. And you need to have creative ways to solve it, mainly because you might be in a class where people are pushing you to think of different mm -hmm. ways and situations in which to have a scene or have yeah, a structure. Absolutely. And so your brain is already working in this outside the box way. And so when you come into these corporate settings and people say, well, this is the, this is the way we have to do it. And you say, well, I'm why? thinking of five other different ways yeah, right why now. Why is the question we right. ask, why? It's like, because that's how we've always done yeah, it. That's not an acceptable answer exactly. to me in any setting, let alone corporate, because that's usually the doom yeah. of, of businesses. A lot of small businesses, but big right. businesses as well. When they say that's the way we've always done it, yeah. that's not <laughs> uh, – things change. Yes. Don't be behind the right. change. Be <laughs> right. ahead of the change. Um, yeah, yeah we t you talk about different perspective, a different way to see it. That's kind of what um, what we we do here. And one of you know, I said why because that's a question that you'll hear me ask as a as a coach or a teacher in class all the time. Right. People will make a statement, and I'll say why, why? Because that's the the question that we inherently want to know more than anything. Why is this person this way? Why does this person feel right. this way about this person? Right. Right. Why is going to give us a lot more meat on the bone than right. what? Yeah. Um, I feel like if we know the why, we can kind of talk about the what forever, right? Sure. Um, so we, we asked that question in um, uh, the corporate setting as well, because if you're doing it in class and you're, if you can answer that question in class and you can apply it into the corporate setting, you'll, you'll be light years ahead of everyone else. Yeah. Because they're trying to figure out the how, the what, the, you know, all that. Right. Ask why. Why do we want to do this? Right. Um, that's my sidebar. That's my, I, I will uh, <laughs> teach, preach, whatever improv. Uh, <laughs> For days, so I, I, I can talk about it forever. Do you? Uh, this is a little bit of a of a of a side quest, I guess you would say. But uh, familiar with the office? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Michael Scott taking improv classes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Care to elaborate? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what, boom, boom. So, Are you shooting someone again, Michael? Here's what did you just whisper to him <laughs> again? Could talk about that for days because here's why that is so great. One, he is an improviser. Right. He went. Through Second City, and yep. that's how he got he Steve got to Carrell, where, you mean. Steve Carell. Yes, yeah. sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, that's so that there's there's truth in comedy. There, right? Yeah. We say that there's truth in comedy. That's what we teach. Right. Um, so that's that's the first thing to me that is <laughs> is stands out. <laughs> Secondly, um, if you don't improvise and you're but you have any concept of what it is, you can appreciate the bit because you can appreciate how passionate people can be about right. it. <laughs> you, you see a lot of those like whose line is it anyway, folks? Where it's, yeah, you know, and not that that's about thing but a lot of cheerleader type yeah. uh, improv um, right so you can appreciate what he what he's when he's talking about i don't want to have to miss another improv class right. you know <laughs> and then the third piece which is kind of the the behind the scenes if you are an improviser some of the throwaway lines that he says some of the things that he does are just perfect yeah. they apply <laughs> everyone in here is just like right so <laughs> Uh, my comment uh, officially is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Is brilliant. I just I remember I I didn't watch The Office for so long and then I did watch it and that I I could not stop laughing at it's, the it's entire so scene. He's yeah. so great. There's some uh, great YouTube videos of him and other folks that some that we've had down here uh, do scenes from mm -hmm. Second City when he's he was there in yeah. the, the 90s I believe. Yeah. And it's just great. It's just great to see where. Uh, we we like to we like to think that this is kind of what we're doing here is yeah. being that second that breeding ground for Dallas comedy. Sure, um, and that's what he did in Chicago. He was at Second City, and then you know obviously yeah. he's gone on to fame and fortune. Well, and Dallas was, really hasn't had a lot of um, I guess I would say resonant comedy. Right? There's a, there's like um, some 
stand-up yep. locations in Dallas. Yep. But and you also have stand-up here as yep. well, quite a bit. But um, but it's more of like this is like you said, Second City or the Groundlings or or a very just a breeding ground for comedic talent. Yeah, right. And that's what you're trying to start. And so talk me through why you even wanted to do this in the first place. I know you talked about having the classes, but like what made you just even start that process? Sure. Well, start DCH process. Yes. Um, you know, I, I have to really tip my hat to my sister and and admit to writing her coattails quite a bit on that. <laughs> That's okay. Um, she started, uh, she took a class and she called me, I was right out of college and said, hey, you should do this. You'd be great at it. I said, I don't have any money. And she took the second week and she called me and said, you'd be great at this. I said, I don't have any money. She said, I'll pay for it. I said, I'll see you next week. And um, <laughs> and from then on, we, we went through classes together. We started right. groups together. Um, but she's the one that quit her job and, and went out there on a, a, a leap of faith for sure. Yeah. And started a, a comedy club. Um, I have been, you know, I was there teaching on the weekends when she still was, you know, moonlighting. I was uh, helping create curriculum. I was helping uh, do and direct and be in shows. I mean, from the ground. But it was it was hers, and it's yeah. always been hers. I I appreciate the fact that I get to play the fun uncle, where I have some input because I've been doing it for ten years. Sure. With her. Um, but I don't have to pay the bills. <laughs> I don't have to. You know, I don't. Yeah. Ha I don't have the ownership literally that she has. I get right. to just kind of uh be a dad yeah <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah and and i say that because especially since uh mj our two-year-old i've i stepped back quite a bit um uh, just because time you know yeah and then uh f for the last five months since our, our second one um I, I feel like i when i get to be here it's a real treat sure um so you know getting into some of the dad stuff one of the the things that i had to learn when when we first had mj is that, you know, even when we were married for a couple of years, we could kind of come and go as we wanted. We could do, we have odd schedules where we would have day jobs and then come up to the theater and do shows sure. or teach a class. And we might not see each other until midnight one night. Um, right. and, and getting adjusted to now you have a child that you have to feed and hold their neck up. Yeah. And, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, you're not coming home at midnight. You're not doing, so yeah. what do you cut? What do you right. um, prioritize? And I, I was a little bit older when we had children. I was 36. My priority is my children right now. I am leaning into this dad thing. I yeah. love it. Um, and because they're not going to be the little ones for this long. So seriously, when I, when I, if I can have, you know, four or five years of, of little baby time, I know this place is still going to be around where I can come back and kind of step back in and take on more responsibility and direct right. some more shows and, and audition for some more things. So, um, the, uh, I'm, no real point to the story other than um, as when you become a father, one of my parenting philosophies is be a father. Right. Like you're not, you can still do the other stuff, but right. be a father. Yeah. It's so crucial because <clears throat> your kids aren't going to remember that you had to stay late and close the place down. Right. Or mm -hmm. lock up or teach a class. They're going to remember that you weren't there. To read them that story. Exactly. To bathe them and to put them to bed. That's it. There are so many times where I want to stay late at the office yeah. because I feel in the moment it's what's important. Yeah. And then I think about the fact that if I stay one to two hours later, I'm not going to be there for bedtime. And can this email wait until tomorrow? Yeah, it can. It's not an emergency. That's um. Uh, I, we were talking about this before we started 
recording. I, I feel like I cry now whenever right. <laughs> um, somebody sneezes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and partially right. because our second child came really quick and kind of in a hurry, I had to deliver him. I was right. telling you about this in our bathroom, not on purpose. Right, I was going to say, because <laughs> was, you had mentioned it wasn't a planned um, home birth. And so every time, I'm very grateful of, for it because it all worked out really well. Sure. Um, so anytime I feel any sort of gratitude or I really, I just like think for a second about the situation or him and that I have a, a healthy daughter and a healthy son. Now yeah. I get teary. Yeah. <laughs> I get emotional. Yeah. And, and to me kind of listening to the universe, like an improviser should and just like paying attention. That's a sign to me of like, you're, that means you're doing what you need to be doing. That means that, being a father is is the priority. I'm, right. not, I'm not crying when I see a good improv scene. Right. You know? If I see a bad one, I might. I've seen a lot of bad <laughs> improv scenes. Uh, but you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. moved to tears usually right. by an improv scene. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's been the biggest change in the last yeah. couple of years. And I, I know it'll yeah. just continue to evolve. 100%. I, I, I used to always wonder what it was like to be a dad and what it was like to have kids. And everybody used to always say, it's an indescribable feeling, yeah, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, well, like, parents was, were, but like, what does it feel like? When right? your parents are, you one day you'll understand. Yeah. And, and you just, I used to, <laughs> I every time they would say that, I'd be like, uh-uh, I get it. And then now, <laughs> if, if my daughter said that to me, I'd be like, don't talk to me that way. You do not get <laughs> right, it. My right. parents were right. right. <laughs> you know? But there was, there's something where when you... I was tell I was saying this the other day and that I knew when my daughter was born and I was holding her in my arms for the very first time, I no longer cared what my life looked like. Yeah. Yeah. That is the only way I can put into words what I felt. Now that's that. Uh, I mean, that's brilliant that somebody said this and I don't remember who, and I am. So I straight up stole this from somebody, but <laughs> I've been saying it for a while. It's like watching your watching your heart run around with tennis shoes on. Yes, because it is adorable. That's an, think of that image. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> right. Little little chucks, you know, yeah, high tops, exactly, with some tall, you know, basketball socks and right. a sweatband <laughs> over the top of the heart. Just like running around. Yeah. But every time it trips and stumbles, uh, that's. I mean, it's yeah. it's the most beautiful thing in the world. It's a great, an indescribable feeling, like you yeah. talked about. And then at the same time, it's the most terrifying yes feeling and i mean we again we were talking before i i have that that tendency to catastrophize things right where right i can imagine the worst scenario real fast and it, it i mean it's amazing it's amazing how a scenario can play out in my mind and years of consequences because <laughs> of that scenario right in 1.5 seconds right um <laughs> right so you know that's that's something i work on as a dad also believe in mental health and and yes. talking to people and 100 having i mean whether it's a professional counselor or a partner that you can talk just talking with someone yeah. even this is therapeutic yeah when you when you 100%. can talk to somebody um, also improv can be very therapeutic in that right. same way. You get a lot of this stuff out. So you're trying to work through your emotions and also what's going on inside. Ab absolutely. And if you don't have an outlet to be able to externalize what you're internalizing, it builds up and there can be consequences, very severe ones. And we get to put uh, the <coughs> veil of a character over ourselves right. to do that. Right. Cowboy, jo cowboy Joe. Right. <laughs> or, you know, um, drunk Mary. Right. And those characters that we get to play are still us deep down. Yeah. Um, but we, we get to put a funny uh, limp to them or uh, right. an accent that goes along with them. Right. So, Absolutely. Uh, we, we, I've said this several times in class. Improv is therapeutic. 
but don't treat it as therapy. <laughs> yeah. Don't come to improv yeah. to get some stuff off your chest. Right. But but know that the process is is beautiful and it works. That it, naturally it will be a healing thing. Yes. So that's a very eloquent way to put it. Well, for sure. We there, I wish more people would listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, improv is about listening. That's right. So maybe if people did their homework, no. that's what that's what <laughs> we say. We say that if you want to be a good improviser, uh, be a good listener. The yeah. number one tool. Uh, if the number one rule is to yes and, the number one tool to, to do that is to listen. Right. Actively listen. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, my gosh. What a <laughs> dumb question. <laughs> no, it's I'm terrible. Kidding. It's terrible. It's, it's such a great question. <laughs> and it, uh, the reason I say it's dumb is because I have to think about it now. Right. You know? Um, yeah. The truth is, I I think until I had children, I thought about that question a lot. Mm. What I wanted to be in life. Do I want to be this actor? Do I want to be a, a comedy club owner? Do I want to uh, be a teacher, right. director? You know, um, all of the options, you know, go into the corporate world. What what I didn't realize is that, like, when I when I had MJ, when we had MJ, mm -hmm. um, she confirmed that what I'm supposed to be is a dad. Mm -hmm. uh, all that other stuff is my job and my passion and my hobby and my career, my faith and all you know all of the right, things right but what my what my identity i truly believe is to be a dad yeah i feel like i was built for it yeah and um she confirmed that for me and then when the second one came i mean it just cemented it so sure. my legacy is like i guess what i'm most excited about is like starting now really backdating two years till she was born is i'm writing it yeah i get to write what i i think is my legacy because i didn't know what i was going to be until yeah two years ago right um so kind of sticking to true to who i am what we teach what we do we're very much about being in the moment right being present a good improviser is not thinking ahead they're thinking with the person they're, they're right. present yeah um I, I look forward to writing it one moment at a time T yeah. today i watch them on friday all day today we built a pillow fort and we do pillow fort fridays <laughs> and i love it we i have you know i i don't do instagram well but on fridays i post seven pictures on my <laughs> stories because i'm with them all day and right that's, that's what my identity is right um I changed my handle to the dad fluencer because <laughs> I started to start it as like a bit, but it's a hundred percent real and a hundred percent a bit. Right. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the simple answer is I don't know what my legacy is. I can't wait to find out. I love it. That's very cool. Uh, one last question before we ramp up into the last segment of the show. If people are wanting to break into the comedic industry, however that may be, what is one piece of advice you would give them? Especially here, maybe in Dallas. Um, okay, well, I'm going to uh, start at the very beginning of that and say take a class. Okay. Um, then I'll skip ahead, assuming that that's what you'll do. Sure. Um, the first piece of advice I would give is to be open to what this actually is. Mm. A lot of people come into class thinking they know what this is. And when I say they know what this is, they know what they want it to be. And what we teach in improvisation is not whose line is it anyway it's not uh, saturday night live it's we teach a, a form a, a style of long form improvisation that is custom to the dallas comedy house based off of our training from all these other theaters sure. um so when people come in and fight that because they want it to be this or they want it to be that right. they don't grow they don't learn because they're trying to they'll only maybe get one note out of a whole class because they're trying to make it fit their narrative sure so my my number one suggestion would be be open 
be open to what this is and probably it's not going to be what you think it is it may yeah. it's and and on the other side of the coin is it's probably going to be a lot better than what you can imagine sure um so be be open to uh taking a note to uh, realizing that this is probably not what you think it is from the beginning and then just open with everything that you do go through this realizing that you are a student like a first grader and you're going to go through the program and by the end of the year you will have graduated high school right okay i mean so it's, yeah. a, it's a crash course in a year that take i mean i've been improvising for what 13 14 years and I'll still take workshops at our festival. I'll yeah. still go. I, I mean, you're never going to master it because no. it's not something that gets mastered. It's just right. something that you feel comfortable doing. And right. People, you know, <clears throat> will laugh at. <laughs> yeah. There was um, a previous guest on the on the podcast, my friend Josh Lehman. He's been on and off Broadway, and he talks about the fact that he still regularly yeah. takes improv classes. Yeah, I listened to that. It was great. Yeah, because he you never you never stop growing. Mm-hmm. You never stop learning. If you say that you've reached it all uh no one should listen to that yeah person. absolutely right. and well uh, <laughs> when i teach uh classes and uh if i do a workshop at a festival or something like that i pretty much start all of those with saying like find what your one nugget is today yep. hopefully you'll you'll learn a lot but right. take away one thing each class if you took away one thing each class and you went seven weeks at a time for six levels that's 40 right. if you took away 42 valuable lessons yeah you'd be a good improviser so um, absolutely that's another tip tip for students that are starting that are young is like don't overwhelm yourself with all the, the the stuff that we're you don't have to do all of this right perfect the first time right concentrate on one thing at a time yep. today i'm going to be a good listener um uh Next week, I'm going to be really good at initiations. Right. I'm going to focus on that. Just take, a, take sure. a little one step at a time. Because I, I, I didn't get to, and this forgive the arrogance that it sounds like when I say this, I didn't get to be able to get up there and improvise, feel confident, do a good show, host these shows, and all that stuff uh, right away. Yeah. <laughs> that, that this is 13 years later. Sure. And that's why... So just take it one step at a time, be open and, and treat it like a real student and Very it'll cool. work. Yeah. I love it. Well, now we're going to pivot to my favorite part of the show, the dad joke of the week. Pivot. Yes. That is where I hurl unsuspect, uh, jokes at my unsuspecting guests, not unsuspecting jokes at my guests. Great. But uh, where the audience, uh, I try and get them to laugh and the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it okay. works out. But I always like to kick it to my guests first to see if you have any dad jokes you'd like to offer up. Okay. First, I want to get clear on the rules. So do I try to la- try not to laugh? Is that what you want so me to do? It's it's. <laughs> very unstructured okay because my jokes are often bad okay good i'm gonna laugh then okay because that that makes me laugh i also i just i i i cry when somebody sneezes and i laugh when somebody just starts talking yes my my wife cannot well we still watch the office together every now and then but like she jokes that she can't we can't watch the office going to bed because we'll put it on and i will i'm i wholeheartedly believe parks and rec is a better end-to-end show, but I feel that The Office yeah. has the best in-moment bits yeah. I've ever seen. Well, the, the, I think that those moments that you're talking about are truly improvised. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. Some of them certainly written. There's not a throwaway line. There's uh, the one where Kevin spills the chili. I <laughs> I could not stop laughing. Okay, so uh, before we get into these dad jokes, did you do 30 Rock? Uh, yes. Okay, so oh. 30 Rock is a perfect example of, well, it's brilliant, brilliant in so many ways. There's not a single throwaway line. Yeah. They, you think that somebody says something, and you're like, well, what does that mean? There is, there's context to it or subtext <laughs> to it. Um, it's perfectly produced, perfectly written. Tina Fey's brilliant. She is. I, I use that a lot in teaching when, I, when we're 
doing shows and I'm saying, look, look at how you want to you want to see how to write. Watch 30 Rock. <laughs> okay. Oh man. That, uh, is, I don't have dad jokes. Um, I may riff on your jokes. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Because I'm an improviser. Like I said uh, earlier to you offline, I had several that I had written down. I left them to the office. So Good. I'm going to go to my well. Good. Uh, that I know the listeners have heard before, but okay. I'm still going to bring it out. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what boat did Dracula? Oh my gosh! Come to the mainland on. So you mean when you said dad jokes, you meant like laffy taffy? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like dad jokes. Okay, say that one again. What? what so boat? what? What boat did Dracula ride on when he came to the mainland? Uh, what, which? What, what was it? A blood vessel, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you have to laugh at the yeah. jokes. Okay, because, so that for the like audience, your own that was a groan. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared. All right, now I'm in the mood. <laughs> Let's go. Let's right. get these dad jokes uh, going. What did, uh, what did the pillow, since you're talking about Pillow Fort Friday. Yeah, Pillow Fort Friday. What did the pillow say when it fell off the bed? Uh, oh, sheet. <laughs> oh, sheet. <laughs> I didn't know that was this kind of podcast. Yeah. All right. Let's well, do it. Well, you know, I do my best. That was great. Um, uh, last joke. Uh, how did the Dairy Queen get pregnant? Oh, uh, the Burger King forgot to wrap his Whopper. There it is. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't know if that's as much a dad joke as a eighth grade boy joke. Well, you know what? It worked. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard that as I was running out of the locker room right. from soccer. <laughs> well, uh, my uh, my kid's pediatrician told it to me at one of our most recent visits. So oh. I felt if if he's a dad and it's good enough for him to tell, I will uh, recant it. I, w- I would <laughs> like to comment on how I think that might be inappropriate <laughs> that your child <laughs> pediatrician <laughs> made a joke about wrapping the Whopper <laughs> so the Dairy Queen didn't get pregnant. Just, okay, was the child in the room? No. Okay. No. Well, he, that makes it even worse, I think, <laughs> because he's just talking to you. I mean, if he's trying to impress, what? He's okay, so, so first all of all, the, all where, who's, who's your doctor? Do you, no, you can't say who I'm your doctor say, is, no. no. So we we got to talk offline all, about all this. Of the, all of the jokes, he always comes into the office as a checkup and says, all right, I've got to, he always prefaces it by saying, I wish I had a better joke. And then he tells his the jokes I just told you. Oh, okay. So those three I've heard at least half a dozen times. Well, that's a terrible excuse. <laughs> but then, but then uh, the Dairy Queen one, he, he said, all right, I've got one that's a little PG-13. I'm like, ooh. I'm uh, I'm all ears, and then he told me that, and I'm like, oh my god, I couldn't stop laughing because again, I I too laugh at everything. Okay, is this <laughs> Doctor White? No. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, well. oh, oh, oh! I thought you were like, is it Doctor White? And I'm like, no. Uh, yes. Is he? They are. Is he uh, over fifty eight years old? No. Oh no. no. Okay. Because there was a there was an image in my head of a, a certain doctor no, no, telling no, no, this no, no, joke no, no, that I'm like, get no, out of no, there, no, dude. No, no. Get out of there. Make sure they didn't make copies no, of your no, insurance. No. Get out. No, no, no. So no, he no. might he might have been he might have been just barking up your tree a little no, bit right no. there with that joke. Oh man, no, no, it's good, it's good. I know that there are definitely more jokes, but I cannot remember what they are, and I refuse to uh, vamp to try and remember. Them, okay, so. so my my bit is I changed my my Instagram handle to Dadfluencer mm-hmm. Kyle. I'm right. calling myself the Dadfluencer. It's yep. a fun bit, right? But my bit with dad jokes now is to just lean into the fanny pack, lean oh. into the big hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put sunscreen on and make sure that it it doesn't get rubbed in on my nose. Right, right. You know? <laughs> like so, my I guess my bit, like a Walking Dead. Yeah, joke. I'm a Walking Dead <laughs> joke. And and the truth is, I feel like uh, we're I'm doing it in a clever enough way where it's not tired. Sure. In a hack, yeah. uh, If it becomes that, I won't I won't continue it. I'll, uh, right. I'll, yeah. Um, but it it's fun for my wife. It's fun for uh, my kids. And or you know, I hope it is. Right. And. Uh, <laughs> 
and I I feel like there's uh, uh, so many different avenues to um, YouTube, publish your podcast, to uh, uh, right. do a, a talk show. There's so many different w- things that you can do in this world now. Yeah. Avenues for content. Right. That just starting to do a bit and seeing what happens. Yeah. Uh, that's that's kind of my style. I love I, it. I want to improvise it. It's very cool. It's so. very cool. Well, Kyle, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Like I said, Dadfluencer Kyle Dadfluencer on, Kyle Instagram. on Instagram. Yep. Uh, don't do the, the Facebook very well. Um, yeah, so just follow me there. You got, but Dallas Comedy House has uh, Facebook presence, Instagram presence, Twitter yes. presence. In fact, let me do that first. Okay. Uh, follow Dallas Comedy House on all accounts. Uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah, that'd as well. be great. Check the show notes, link in bio. Mm-hmm. I'm getting into this Instagram thing. Right. I'll, like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> I will have the, the blinking subscribe button in my bio. Uh, I will not. So I'm not going to overpromise that. You can't. Hey. <laughs> Joe, I'm just a dad doing dad things, man. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, come come see a show sometime. Come to the Dallas Comedy House. I, I am at the – for sure I will be in the end of the month show with Pavlov's Dogs, which is tonight um, at 8 and tomorrow at 9. We do end of, the, end of the, the month. We do a Friday, Saturday run. And then scattered throughout the, the month, we I try to take a weekend off in the beginning of the month with my wife, and we just kind of do it. We call it the get right weekend <laughs> where we do a day, then we catch up on laundry. It's not get we, it right, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it is. And it's just me listening to her go, get it right. Get it right. And I do chores around the house Saturday like and Sunday. So I know day. listeners may know that I sometimes record these way in advance. I do want to preface that we are recording it on Friday, October 25th. Yes. When you are listening to it is Monday, October 28th. Yes. So, the so I hope you were at the show. I hope so. Because it were, was awesome. It was amazing. You know, we just uh, got done seeing it, and I mean, you killed it. Let, let me be honest with you. If you, <laughs> the reason why I love improv is it is it is disposable. Right. If you do a bad show, you never have to do it again. Right. The the tragic part of that is if if you do an awesome show, you never get to do it again. Sure. Yeah. And you listeners missed out on right. one of those shows. It was badass, and I uh, am immensely sad for all of you. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, we need a hashtag for this episode. Should we go, uh, what do you want to do? Hashtag uh, DCH, hashtag Dallas Comedy House. Um, yeah, do, do that. Or, you know, hashtag Dadfluencer. Let's do it. Hashtag Dadfluencer. I mean, I, I mean, this is a dad podcast, Let's right? do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, listeners, uh, I will be back next week with some more great content. Kyle, thank you so much hey, John, for coming a, on. It was a real pleasure, man. Yeah. And until next time, hashtag Dadfluencer. And hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, Thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.